another edition of the Second and Goal Fantasy Podcast. I'm Calvin, your host, here with you as always. And in today's show, coming off an electric episode 200, which you should definitely check out in your feed, we'll be talking fantasy football second half stars for the fantasy season in 2023. Got eight fascinating players to talk about. These are players that were better a lot better in the second half of the fantasy season than they were in the first half, whether it was due to injuries, whether it was due to better performance. We'll talk about these eight guys, and I'm not going to lie, going through the show doc today, getting these guys set up, I think this is a really, really fascinating group of names. So this is, like, these eight guys will be very important in drafts. I think some of them are even quite underrated. Some of them might be overrated because of these performances, but... In the end, I think there's a lot of reason to like most of them. And some of them are guys who maybe their names run in your head a little bit. They're a little fatigued because either been injured in the past. They've been around for a while. Name fatigue is real in fantasy football. You kind of forget that sometimes these guys who aren't the flashy new guys on the block can still be really good. And that's going to really be the key of this episode today, as it turned out to be, because all these guys were second half stars. So be sure to follow me on Twitter at Calvin underscore SGF at SGF pod for the podcast. Second goal fantasy gmail.com is where you can send your fantasy questions back out on a Monday. Now that I'm like finally not insanely busy, I can actually release episodes on time, which is awesome. And I'm sure if you're listening to this, you're very glad of that fact. I'm sorry about again, all the struggles we've had actually releasing an on time episode as of late. But we're still rolling. We're still churning. I can't wait for fantasy. I joined a couple of new dynasty leagues recently where I'm like, basically, I'm trying out IDP because one of them is a 24 man league and one of them is a 32 man league that was suggested to me by one of my friends. And at first I was like, okay, yeah, I don't really care about IDP. I don't know about IDP, but I mean, I still don't know about IDP as of this moment, but they have like really, really intricate scoring settings, I would say. And I'm doing startup draft in one and I took over a really bad orphan team in another to see what I could do with it. But getting back into that dynasty spirit, this episode is more redraft oriented, but if you want dynasty content, it is there in spades. The top 24 dynasty rankings episode was so much fun to record. So you should check that out as well. But again, be sure to follow on all the socials and send emails, whatever you want to do. Now let's go to second half stars. Two QBs, two RBs, two wide receivers, two tight ends. The first guy we're going to talk about here is Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott was the QB 18 overall. He missed weeks two through six with a thumb injury, was the quarterback four from weeks 10 through 18. And when you look at the receivers that the Dallas Cowboys have, now that they have signed Brandon Cooks, Sure, they lost Ezekiel Elliott, but he wasn't very effective last year. They now have CeeDee Lamb, Brandon Cooks, and Michael Gallup lining up and their three wide receiver set. That is pretty darn solid. Brandon Cooks has been a thousand yard receiver for so many teams. I think he's going to be especially effective now as the wide receiver two for the Cowboys. CD Lamb has had his big breakout. So I think Dak Prescott's going to be, he's going to end up being a pretty good QB for fantasy next year. Definitely going to be a QB one, a guy you're going to want to start most weeks. And he's not going to be like the best QB in fantasy never has been, but he has at least some safe rushing floor right now. He's ranked as the QB nine on fantasy pros, which I think is a pretty solid value on a guy like Dak, especially considering that back half of the season performance. He's now adding another very quality receiver and an underrated receiver in Brandon cooks. I'm excited to see what goes on here. Another underrated guy is Daniel Jones. He was the QB five in the second half of the season, the QB nine overall. He was really revived by Brian Dable this off season and heading into the year. He was a guy who was really high on have been for multiple years to finally see the Daniel Jones break out happened and the Giants to go to the playoffs on his back so much fun to watch because I was a truther for this guy for so so long that n- hoping 
that my prediction would pan out correct. And it eventually did. Now he's succeeding very, very well. The Giants just added Jalen Hyatt in the draft. But the thing about Daniel Jones that people forget is his rushing ability. Obviously, everybody remembers when he tripped and on prime time against the Eagles and like was trying to run for the touchdown but fell down. But he had 708 rushing yards this year. Like when I saw that stat, and I'm a guy who's like always talked about Daniel Jones's underrated rushing ability. I saw 708 rushing yards. I barely even believed it because I mean, I know Daniel Jones runs the ball, but he doesn't feel like he would be a guy to have like those high of rushing totals. Like those are top of the line numbers in terms of a rushing floor for fantasy football. He can consistently be in your lineups and give you big games. He had like an 100 yard week earlier in the season, just on the ground alone. He plays really well off of Saquon Barkley and a healthy Saquon only increased that rushing floor. I kind of forgotten just how good of a rusher daniel jones was but 708 rushing yards is a floor that is really solid you don't even have to do much passing wise to be a productive fantasy qb with those numbers now at rb Najee harris this is the first example of name fatigue Najee harris was the rb 14 overall he really struggled in the first half of the season we kind of forgot about him but guys Najee harris was the rb5 from weeks 10 to 18 and a half ppr the rb5 it doesn't sound right and it sounds like that's well because that we of that's because of the fantasy community having written him off. Now the Steelers' offensive line isn't great, but it is getting better. They added Broderick Jones in the first round of the draft at tackle, traded up to get him. He should be a really good player. And it was kind of he was kind of the last guy in that big offensive line tier that was left. Steelers made a great pick. So Najee Harris, hopefully his efficiency will go up, but he was really effective even behind a bad offensive line for fantasy purposes. Like he was one of the best RBs in fantasy. Again, it's a guy who you kind of in heading into this year expected more from him got a lot less he seemed like a bit of a bust but you know those teams I, I think you'll get a lot of managers who undervalue Najee because Najee probably tanked their seasons in the first half of the year but in the second half he lit it up and that's the case with a lot of these players if you forget quit the season too early you forget just how good they ended up being the other guy I like that is Cam Akers Cam Akers coming off the Achilles injury it seemed maybe he won't be the same he was you know the RB 33 overall, but the RB 10 in the second half of the season. So he was an RB one from weeks 10 to 18. And he looked very, he looked solid. He didn't look like the, like an incredible running back, an incredible like specimen or talent or anything, but he looked very solid and was once again, getting the consistently high workload that Sean McVay expects from his workhorse RBs. I think this Rams offense should be better next year. All the injuries hopefully being resolved for Matthew Stafford and Cooper cup for the moment. And Cam Akers is the clear number one guy, Kyron Williams. Sure. He's there. He hasn't done much. Zach Evans. He was a sixth round pick out of TCU. That doesn't really matter for Cam Akers' fantasy value. We know how Sean McVay likes to use his top running backs. This is a spot that gets a lot of fantasy value. I think one of my good friends in the industry, Hutchinson Brown, is a huge fan of Cam Akers, always has been, and he's going to get me on that Cam Akers hype train soon enough. I think I've already arrived because I'm very excited for Cam Akers as well. At wide receiver, this is, speaking of guys I was excited for, Christian Watson. I said in the preseason that Christian Watson, who was going as the wide receiver 70, would be a top 35 or top 36 receiver for the coming year. He ended up being like the wide receiver 37 from weeks one through 17, which is where I set my boundaries. So the take was technically wrong, but he was the wide receiver 35 if you count week 18 and the wide receiver seven from weeks 10 through 18. So the breakout certainly happened. And I was very happy to see that. I think Christian Watson's no longer underrated because people accept that the, he's a, a credit talent but the QB situation is kind of murky with Jordan Love but he's going to be the top wide receiver there in Green Bay so I don't mind his spot like at ADP 
But of course, I mean, he's, he's the wide receiver 25. So you're getting him just outside the wide receiver two range. I, I would probably take a guy like Calvin Ridley ahead of him, or maybe even a guy like Michael Pittman, but only because I really like both of those. And I can see Watson definitely going around that wide receiver 25 range. So I like him at price. I'm not like, don't think he's a value right now, but he's probably pretty pro- properly rated now that he's had his year one breakout. And then Keenan Allen, guys, don't forget Keenan Allen actually did come back from his hamstring injury in week 11 last year. He was the wide receiver 42 overall, but the wide receiver eight when he came in the second half of the season and he didn't even play in week 10. He was highly productive. I know everybody wants to see Keenan Allen go and it's like, oh, it's the Mike Williams and the Quentin Johnston show. But as long as he's around, he's still probably going to be the most targeted guy on the team. And And still going to be, I mean, if not a wide receiver one, a high-end wide receiver two. And I could still easily see Keenan Allen, a fully healthy Keenan Allen, putting up another top 12 wide receiver season because the target volume is massive. He is frighteningly consistent. He always, it always feels like you have him on your team and he's not like breaking out for you. But then you look back at the end of the year and you're like, oh, Keenan Allen was the wide receiver eight in the second half of the season. Doesn't feel like it, but you know what? That can help you get a value on him. And I mean, certainly there's something to be said for having big weeks. You don't want to have like 50 Keenan Allens on your team because you want to have guys who can break out and win you weeks. But you do want to have consistency to where you don't have like weak losing performances from your boomer bust guys. You can still count on some points from Keenan Allen no matter what. You want to balance that roster. And he's a perfect guy to balance with a higher upside wide receiver in your lineup. At tight end, a couple guys who switched teams here. Dalton Schultz, who's now on the Texans. That feels so weird to say. He was the tight end 10 overall, tight end four in the second half of the season. Dalton Schultz like mysteriously disappeared in the first half of the year. There was that one game. Well, he there were multiple games where he put up zeros. There was that one game where he was like a healthy scratch and wasn't even on the injury report. And then he just like didn't play. And I had him in my, my Scott Fishbowl lineup. I was really, really irritated about that. I remember that last year. But in the second half of the year, he actually did turn it up a little bit. He, and, and I mean, actually was a top five tight end for fantasy. Like now he's with the Texans. Of course, the Texans now have CJ Stroud. I mean, it's not like this team has a ton of weaponry. Like John Mechie, for all we know, could be their top wide receiver next year at this point. I mean, obviously, they lost Brandon Cooks, of course, and they added Robert Woods and have Nico Collins. But like, though, in, in, while Nico Collins is actually like a good receiver who I think is going to have a, a good career and another good season next year, I still think Dalton Schultz has a lot of target opportunity there. And with the new QB and CJ Stroud, could be a very reliable player like him next year. But tight ends are always kind of such a crapshoot that you just have to take shots on whoever you possibly can and hope you get lucky. That's kind of what you got to do if you're taking Jordan Aikens, too. I wouldn't take him. He's on the Browns now, in case you didn't know, formerly of the Texans. Was the weeks, the tight end 17 overall, tight end 8 from weeks 10 through 18. He just like weirdly kind of like had a few good weeks that carried him. It's not that hard to be the tight end eight sometimes. He had some pretty disappointing weeks. Just put up some touchdowns for sure. But he's going to be behind David Njoku, who just got extended. I don't think Jordan Aiken should be drafted. Tight end is just so random and wild anyway. Just for me, as I always preach, and I'll talk about this more when we get into draft strategy in the summer, but go with a top tight end like Travis Kelsey to get the guarantee at the position or wait forever and tank the position and take a couple of shots on some random guys later. Like there's not worth it to take a shot on a middle round guy who has such a high chance of busting. There are always guys that you can pick up off the waiver wire 
or at least some guys that you can get off the waiver wire or guys you can get in the late rounds. There is absolutely no need when you got, you can just go in the late rounds, pick up a guy coming off of an injury like Zach Ertz, who's pretty risky and go ahead, like grab Taysom Hill or something like Taysom Hill. Strangely, the strangest thing about last year might've been that Taysom Hill was the tight end five and doesn't feel right. But the way he's used I mean, it kind of just fits. He was definitely carried by a week five game in which he had 34.1 fantasy points because, you know what, let's take that out of the equation. Taysom Hill drops to the tight end nine alone just without that game. Like overall, obviously that you can't just like take out a big game that a player had and all of that because, you know, they produced the game, they produced the fantasy points, but he's going to be inconsistent for you. But the point being, after that long rambling explanation, you can just take guys in the late rounds like Zach Ertz and Taysom Hill and be really fine at tight end. Just pick somebody off up off the waiver wire. Like there's no need to pick like Evan Ingram at the tight end eight or David Njoku at the tight end 10 or like even a guy like I like like Cole Komet at the tight end 12. No, no need to spend that pick. You can get other guys there like wide receivers who have upside and also like a, a much higher chance to break out than some of the random tight ends. Tight ends never deep. It, it never ends up having the positional depth that people hope. So that wraps up this episode. Thank you all for tuning in. That was second half stars. More to come, of course, coming up next week. So don't miss it. Thank you all for downloading, subscribing, reviewing, all of that. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Calvin underscore SGF at SGF pod for the podcast. Second goal fantasy at gmail.com is where you can send your fantasy questions. Thanks for tuning in. Appreciate you all. And I'll see you next time.